Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 226th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. And not across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, but instead, a man with Georgia on his mind, down in Noonan, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. What's up, Matt? Uh, Glad to be here. Um, Glad to have such an exciting matchup uh, down the road. And, uh, you know, I heard a a good joke from a good friend. Um, What's the difference between Bear Bryant and Ray Goof? One's a great coach, and the other one is Ray Goof. So... um, (laughs) That was my pre- that. that was my preview while Matt was off uh, grabbing a beer. <laughs> well, uh, that voice you just heard is the third amigo in the second city, a man who is extra excited because he knows the return of Brian Ferentz is only one week away. It's mm. our intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Mm. Yeah, you know, I I popped in a, a a tape of Iowa football in 1984, and then I popped in a laser disc of Brian Ferentz, and the game plan was identical. I think they're going to say you popped a Valium because <laughs> that was the only thing that could get you through the game. Um, guys, we are here with our week seven preview. Go back and check out episode 225 for a recap of week six. Before we hop into the games, though, this week, we want to remind you that we are brought to you by betonline.ag. It's the middle of the season. You guys probably are not at the games, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online oh. from spreads to t- name, you're definitely at the games. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, coach. I think you could say the same thing about the about your friends at Sanford Stadium too. Um, from game spreads to totals, team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you options to wager, more options to wager than anywhere else online. Plus, there's always the online casino as well. I know you guys like blackjack, maybe a little bit of a uh, maybe a little baccarat. Who knows? It never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. That's betonline.ag to sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Before we jump into the games, guys, um, more COVID news this week. Uh, it's uh, We're recording this here on Monday night, and uh, we've just had the first cancellation of uh, an SEC game. Vanderbilt is now under the minimum amount of players that they need to field a team. Uh, so they had to postpone their game against Missouri. A uh, friend of the show, Simon Gibbs, the uh, sports editor over at the Vanderbilt Hustler, was on Feinbaum today. And he is now getting heckled for uh, by a bunch of Mizzou fans who are sounding like, uh, well, the typical callers into Feinbaum. <laughs> so uh, shout out to you, Simon. Keep, uh, keep putting up the good fight and telling the truth. Um, we've seen first time, you know, long time, Paul. And yeah, they're, they're, they're saying that they, if you go into Simon's Twitter is is wonderful, but if you go into Simon's Twitter, uh, I'm just going to read off a couple of my favorite uh, my favorite things that people have been saying about uh, about about Simon here. Um, uh, here's one from uh, Sister B New Iberia. Uh, he says, uh, I guess we should all be afraid of li- uh, as afraid of living as you. Who do you think you are? You're nothing. Your opinion is for losers. Grow up. COVID may be around for a while, and I will not live in fear. Shut down your own life. Uh, hey, Simon Gibbs, you sound like a real optimist. Uh, take a breath, little fella. Uh, hey, Simon Gibbs, uh, you're an end-of-the-world kind of guy that sounds scared to death about everything. Uh, he said, uh, uh, this was Stephen Pritchett. Uh, you cancel, you just cancel what is the lamest game in the SEC schedule, not just this week, all year. It'll be the only game that isn't played a schedule. Vandy blew it. Uh, my question is if Vanderbilt, the team that has, uh, let's face it, far and away the best medical facilities in the SEC, probably the strictest regimented testing, um, in the largest metropolitan area of any sec team uh if they are the ones that are testing positive josh what does this tell you about these other schools do you think a lot of these places are under reporting uh not reporting or i mean obviously we're going on pure speculation here but it just seems questionable to me, to me that vanderbilt would be the team that 
it, that has the most positive tests and ergo cannot field a team. Yeah, I think there's something to that. What I'm curious about is how is this the lamest SEC game when you have, oh, Missouri and Arkansas <laughs> a little later? You have the Battle South of the Ozarks. You have South Carolina versus insert any team literally ever. <laughs> I mean, come on. Also, just like. Since when did FYI, Simon Gibbs get the power to cancel a game? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But uh, Simon, shout out to you, friend of the pod. Um, yeah. I, good, I will really say good th- guy. But yeah, that, that's, that was amusing. I will say this, though. Um, you know, Vanderbilt outscored 82-14 their last two times out. Um, from a competitive standpoint, you can understand why the Missouri fans are disappointed because Vanderbilt's shaping up to be uh, without a doubt, the worst team in the conference and, and one of the worst Power Five teams in the country. And if you're Missouri, new coach, rebuilding, um, well, that's the type of game you want to have. To be fair, they're coming off of a victory against LSU, so you think they'd be riding high. But I know, you know I know. I mean, personally, I think that um, you know this is a uh, you know. This is a uh, uh, this is a thing that just to me it smells funny that Vandy is the only team that is testing positive. It, it just it, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, I shouldn't say the only team testing positive because Baylor is going to Baylor, guys. Uh, <laughs> ba- ba- Baylor has, and I, I think we all have a a lot of respect for Dave Aranda as a coach. But he has stepped into uh, an undoubtedly toxic situation, which is uh, only getting worse because they have had uh, how many positive tests now? Uh, how many how many positive tests is it now? 42. 42 uh, COVID cases, 28 players and 14 staffers. Have- so uh, I'll say this. Uh, in all seriousness, we like to, to dunk on Baylor for good reason. I mean, uh Culturally, they're all very, they're very different than the three of us. Uh, They have had, oh, you know, a major basketball scandal where a player killed another player. You know, they had a little uh, uh, scandal related to campus rape. Uh, Just things that have drawn our ire. But but I will say this, the most recent news uh, that I saw, according to the Baylor athletic director, this outbreak appears, at least according to him, linked to a false negative. And that's what's scary about COVID is you can have something like this happen. You can have an asymptomatic person who's never been tested. You can have someone who's sick, go and get a test, comes back with a false negative, and then they go about their business thinking that they just have like a regular cold or something. And it's just, this is why as much as it's been fun doing these college football podcasts and as you know much fun as it is watching the games every saturday there is still this bit of me who's like what the hell are we doing yeah it's it's absolutely crazy i mean coach your high school team has had games postponed because of it too so y- you have felt it up close and personal yeah yeah i have um it, it was one of those things where i was like actually head coach for the day um because of it. i was gonna I was actually going to get a chance to be head coach for two games, and one of them got postponed or actually canceled. They say postponed, but we're not going to reschedule that game. And uh, surprisingly, we had a few players tested, and uh, ones that were around our head coach the most, and they tested negative. So it was very odd, to say the least. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely just a unique situation. And well, the good thing is, you know, we've got level-headed people like Dan Mullen helping helping things out. Yeah, because obviously, you know, it, it, we're going to have no negative consequences whatsoever from completely filling the swamp. <laughs> I, 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 I thought, you know, the president said he brought back Big Ten football. I thought he was also trying to drain the swamp. Well, it's hard to drain the swamp when you fill it up with 90,000 people. So, um <laughs> Let's hop right into it, though. Week seven is here, and there is one game to rule them all. There, there is literally only one good game of the week, but boy, is it a good one, Coach. Georgia Dogs, Alabama Crimson Tide, 
Bryant-Denny Stadium, Saturday. Is it under the lights, Coach? Is it going to be under the lights? It's under the lights. Under the uh, lights. A, it is a 8 o'clock Eastern, 7. I, no, I think you're Eastern. off, Coach. Coach, my my app's showing 4 p.m. Central start time. It, it got, got flexed talking. It, yeah, no, it, it got bumped. It got bumped. You guys are it, talking about North Texas, Middle Tennessee, right? <laughs> no. Oh, yeah, oh, 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 I thought you were talking about, wait, you're not talking about Texas State, South Alabama? No. Wrong one. No. Oh, sorry. Wrong, wrong, city in, 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 wrong city in Alabama. Uh, Tuscaloosa. Uh, it, it is a it is a place Bryant Denny Stadium, and you know let's face it Georgia Georgia's defense is going to put up a little bit more resistance than Ole Miss's last week I think Coach I think so um, they they got to find some answers for uh, the advanced blitz packages that Georgia brings um, and the sheer fact that Aziz Ojolari and Malik Herring can win their one on one battles and it's it's going to be Interesting to see how much pressure they get on Mac Jones. If they can, if they can heat him up and force him into some, some uncharacteristic errors, this game could get interesting. And uh, with their defense and, and with the way they play on the back end with Richard McCount, Eric Stokes, I, I just, I just don't see them having the same explosion offensively they did, uh, or they have had the last three games. So, uh, you know, we'll see. This will easily be the best defense they face all year. Ooh. Well, I'm going to I'm going to be kind of a jerk to my co-host because um we're recording this on a Monday night and doing a back-to-back and between shows uh we just kept our software recording and uh Matt was getting another drink and Behind coach and I were coach moment. and I were pretending to like oh, let's just do start the next show without Matt and I had an incredible setup that coach then stole from me so matt i hope you play the tape on that one um and in it coach you were quite confident about georgia winning you still feeling good about that one coach (laughs) he's feeling so good about it that he just straight up left (laughs) left left the show i mean he literally dropped the mic on that one uh, that is quite impressive, I must say. I mean, if you're feeling that good that you can just straight up drop the mic, I mean, to be fair, like, I mean, to be fair, that is a pretty good defense that the uh, that the Georgia Dogs have. But to be able to just, you know, to have a walk off with them, man, that, I was not expecting that. Not gonna lie, it was perfect timing, Matt. You might have to splice in our uh, our pretend preview when you oh, I, I, I I I completely plan on it. It was quite but, good. Uh, it, it, it was great. Does it? I mean, it, it, anything that inro- involves Ray Goof is going to be great. So, Josh. Yeah. Coach, should we it? just should, coach? Should we just run through the Week Seven preview without Matt while he's yeah, gone? Let's, let's see how long we can get through it. Let's see if we. Uh, <laughs> We'll see if we <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Coach, so week week seven is week seven. Week seven's a pretty big barn burger. There's two mega matchups down there in the SEC. Your beloved dogs yeah. head to Bryant Denny Stadium in mm-hmm. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh you know what they say about Ray Goof and Bear Bryant is one could coach and the other one was Ray Goof. How do you see this one going? Um, well, when you look at Ray Goof, he uh, <laughs> he has – oh, wait, no, wrong preview. Sorry, that was from 1991 <laughs> when they had Eric Zier. Um, though this one's going to be – well, it's going, it's going to go a lot differently than I thought it was going to go um, because Alabama has shown that – they can play a little offense and not a ton of defense right now. So Georgia's six and a half point favorites. And I don't, it's, it's a weird, like, I, I think these two teams are evenly matched to be honest with you. Uh, and uh, they should be, you know, should be whatever. So uh, I like the dogs uh, on the upset because I think this would be the, by far the best defense that Alabama has faced all season long. They'll give them fits. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, I think, has four sacks on the season. So, it ought to be good. Moving on. 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, you head a little bit south guys, into the panhandle. Did you guys, did you guys then just head like on, start to do the next down. episode without me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we only got one game, Josh. I, I, I know. That, that that was quick. Hold I'm going to – well, we, I, I, I will I will say I really liked my, my, uh, the way I introduced the Georgia-Alabama game. Well, I'm excited to go back and listen to it. Anyway, Coach, I was just calling out the fact that when we did our, our, our fake preview – yeah, uh, you were you were quite hawkish on the dogs, saying that they were going to win. I was, I still am. Um, but yeah, it, they're going to win by fifty. <laughs> I'm, I'm dogs like by the, fifty. You heard you, you heard it here first. So make sure you take. <laughs> I mean, the, the spread has Alabama favored by six, so it sounds like, uh, Coach, you want to be not not just pr- playing the spread, but also the money line as well. Exactly. No, I was I was talking to my cousin uh, earlier today, and we were talking about this game, and he was asking uh, if he could get like if if I wanted to bet him like straight up on the game, and if I wanted to give him some points. I was like, wait a minute, uh, no, you're six and a half point favorites at home, so that's not going to work. Wait, is your cousin an Alabama fan? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry you have that in your family. That. I, that's really tough. That's it's really brutal. tough. Yeah, I, I assume it's not Buster. So, um, well, yeah, I mean, this is obviously the game of the week. One of the most amazing things that I saw this week, uh, Stetson Bennett, the fourth, is now up to fourth in uh, four. He is number four in Heisman odds, which mm. is uh, coming into the season. He was uh, obviously off the board because he was at best the number three quarterback for the dogs coach. Uh, what have you seen out of Stetson Bennett that you, that makes you believe that he can be the guy that can lead the dogs to the promised land? I think his escapability is really good. I think his poise is really good. Um, and I think just his overall football IQ is, is also something that, that will benefit him. Uh, where I think he lacks is some of his throws downfield. Um, it kind of shrinks, it kind of shrinks the field vertically for him. Uh, because there's a lot of throws that I don't feel like he can make at this point. Um, but I do think that he's just a gamer. And, you know, a couple of the third down plays you saw in the Tennessee game where he scrambles and gets out of pressure and actually tucks the ball and run. Uh, there was one huge one where they were down uh, deep in Tennessee's territory, and, and he, he picked up the first down and got out of bounds. And there was another one where he pulled it on his own read and actually uh, down in the same area of the field actually scored. Uh, by running over the pylon. So, I mean, the guy's got some feet. And what do we know about uh, typical Saban defenses is they, they have trouble with quarterbacks that can move and that can run. And so, you know, he, he can run a little bit. And, you know, he's got a lot of poise and he's got some moxie and even a little bit of, uh, you know, piss and vinegar about himself. So, um, you know, uh, you know the, the guys follow him. Um, they play hard for him. And they ha- they genuinely have fun playing with him. And so I I think that, you know, some of that intangible stuff has got to factor in. Josh, you have any uh, any final words here on on this game? Well, one thing I'm curious about uh, for Georgia defensively is uh, Mac Jones has, you know, impressed over a thousand passing yards already. Seventy nine and a half percent completion percentage. You absolutely love it. Eight touchdowns to one interception. How? Ever, if you take a little bit more of a look at the receiving totals for Alabama, uh, as a team, they have 71 completed passes. Over half of those have gone to just two people. Um, John Mitchie, the thirds, emerged a little bit these last two weeks as a third target, but he still only has 11 receptions on the year. Um, next is their running back, Harris, really good runner, but, but, uh, just seven receptions tight end only five on the year. So this is a little bit top heavy of a team. He's not really spreading the ball around. If Georgia can bracket those receivers or, or, um, you know, maybe do a kind of a hybrid where you zone part of the field, uh, but then really lock down on his top target, uh, Devontae Smith, then 
I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious, Coach. Am I grasping at straws here? Do you think, or, or is this a little alarming to have such a top-heavy receiving core? It, it, also, if you look at it, Coach, like Georgia is allowing literally half the amount of yards per game that Alabama is. Yeah, it's pretty scary, um, and a lot of that's because of the pressure they get and, and their ability to. I mean, Tennessee had minus one rushing yards, so. You know, the, their running game is not really going to amount to much. But you also, know, Richard it, LeCount is a is a bad, bad man. He's a very, very bad man. And had it not been for a uh, weak targeting call against Auburn, he probably would have had more stats in that game. Might would have picked off Bo Nix. But um, to answer your question, Josh, as far as combo coverages and stuff, you know, they they do things like that. And I think I want to say that might be cover five. Maybe you play quarters, quarter, quarter, quarter man. I think um, something like that. There, there's, a, there's a combo man zone coverage uh, that, that they have, and sometimes they play, uh, you know, press man with with support over, um, and then they play like quarters to the other side, uh, like, and they do that a lot to the boundary, and it's a heavy pressure, it's a heavy boundary pressure uh, type coverage, and so I, I think you're going to get. Um, you know, you might get that on the on uh, Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith, but but also like mixing up man free cover seven, you know things like that. Where cover seven, I think I'm trying to I'm still trying to learn uh, the Nick Saban cover seven stuff. So I'll get back to you guys on that one uh, when I become more of an expert. But uh, you know, the the point of it all being is they're going to mix up coverages, they're going to mix up pressures, and, and I think they're going to do things. I think one of the things you see this year from their defense is they're able to bring pressure from all angles, even from distance. They brought a, uh, a slot corner pressure from distance and almost got home on it. It was outstanding. So uh, those are some of the things that I see with, within this game as far as what Georgia can do to slow down this explosive Alabama attack. Next game I want to talk about, though, I want to move on over to the Atlantic Coast Conference and talk about two teams that lost, one in heartbreaking fashion, one got beat down pretty good, but two teams that we know, you know, still feeling at least decent about uh, are in Pitt and Miami. Uh, Josh, Miami got beat down by Clemson last week. Can they rebound against the Pitt team that is uh, a bit Jekyll and Heidi? Yeah, the, this pit team's so weird. You know, we we talked about it obviously in our earlier show when we did the the recap and and the heartbreaker they had against BC. What's crazy is their two losses are combined two points. So Pitt is just a couple of bounces away from being five and zero, and that would totally change the complexion of the game. But because Pitt's three and two, Miami is a double digit favorite. And I think most people are expecting a huge bounce back from Miami. But I think these two teams are a lot closer than probably ESPN would care to admit. I mean, the the football predictor shows Miami a 73% chance of winning. So I think this is going to be a great game. I think it's going to come down to, we've said it before, and you know I'll admit I've said it the most, but uh, Pitt has a quarterback that, is playing his best football right now of his career. If he keeps that up, they got a puncher's chance. And on the other side of the field, D.R. King, not a great day passing the ball against Clemson. A lot of it was Clemson being amazing, but he was kind of floating his balls, kind of just doing a, a deep ball and hope it's either caught, incomplete, or a pass interference. And most of the time it just hit the ground with no damage. So I think it's more about which of these quarterbacks really gets into their rhythm because outside of that, I think these two teams are fairly similar. They really are. Uh, and in coach, I think the one deciding factor here though, might be the fact that De'Eric King, when everything breaks down, Pitt always has a good D line, but when everything breaks down, De'Eric King can still make plays happen with his legs. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the X factor here that Pitt's going to have to figure out. And the answer for is how do you stop and contain 
Derek King when when the play breaks down? You know, do you have somebody that's going to be in position to kind of bottle him up and not allow him to get a ton of yards with your with your feet? It's like the old Russell Wilson game plan that everybody has: make him dance in the backfield, but do not let him scramble too much, or he'll, you know, he'll either beat you with his feet, or he'll or he'll beat you with his feet enough for somebody to get open downfield, and then he will throw the ball downfield. So you got to have a plan for that. And you know, I, I trust Narduzzi out of a, a lot of different coaches in this conference. I trust that Narduzzi will have a good plan. For that, there's not there's not a lot of coaches in this conference that will have a good plan for that. Venables had a great plan for that for obvious reasons, and I, I think Narduzzi will as well. I, this pit team, outside of a couple of bad bounces, like Josh said, you know, it could be five and zero. Oh. So I mean, they're playing some really good football aside from a few plays, and so they're going to get flat, get after it. They're going to have a plan for Miami. You shut down Jordan, shut down Brevin Jordan, and you you contain Derek King in the pocket. And I think with this mediocre quarterback, I mean that quarterback to receiver connection, then really mostly just mediocre uh, wide receivers. I, I just I just think that it's not going to happen if Derek King can't move around like he's accustomed to. And so it's interesting to see kind of where they where they go with that. Definitely. All right. Well, let's head back to the SEC quickly. Uh, Kentucky versus Tennessee. Always a good game, at least in the past couple of season. Uh, this year should be no different. Kentucky coming off of their first win of the season, uh, beating Mississippi State uh, pretty handily, 24-2. to Tennessee with their first loss of the season uh, with an inept rushing performance against your dog's coach. Uh, Terry Wilson finally got on track against Mississippi State. But still, it, it doesn't feel like this Kentucky team is clicking on all cylinders. What do you think is it's going to take for them to pull off the upset in Neyland Stadium? All right. They're going to have to find some – they're going to have to find a way to stop the forward pass because I think Tennessee will be able to uh, run against them. I, I think it was an anomaly that Mississippi State only scored uh, – they only scored two points um, because Kentucky has struggled all year with, with the past. When I say all year, like three games. Uh, so I, I think it's got to be something that, you know, they got to find a way to lock down Josh Palmer, first of all. Second of all, uh, Tennessee's pretty good up front. And if they don't watch it, if they don't get creative, they could get pushed around. And Eric Gray and Ty, Ty Chandler could have a, both have really big days. Uh, defensively, they're going to have to neutralize number 11. And who is that? Henry Toto. And he is he is every bit of a pro prospect at linebacker that, that you want. And it was that one of the fun, one of the few bright spots with George, with, uh, with Tennessee's defense against Georgia was, was Henry Toto. I mean, just the way he, uh, he snuffed screen, fought through like two blockers and, and made the tackle in the backfield, you know, stuff like that. Or like on a counter play where he gets kicked out, but somehow squirts around it and makes the play. With and that's mostly on the back, I think. But you know, just stuff like that. That like Kentucky's going to have to find an answer for. They're going to have to plan for. I don't really trust that that Eddie Graham can make a plan for that. And you know, I, I just think that they're going to get overwhelmed. Uh, Kentucky's defense is going to get overwhelmed. I think um, up front by this, you know, stellar. Tennessee offensive line with Cade Mays, Juan Morris, Trey Smith, and uh, I think Cade Mays' brother starts on the offensive line too. So, it, well, yeah, I mean that that well, Cade, Cade Mays' is probably the entire reason that he transferred from Georgia because they wouldn't give him a scholarship if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. Yeah, that and yeah. between that and Sam Pittman uh, leaving to go to Arkansas, I think all contributed really to uh, the quote toxic environment. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a whole Cade bunch Mays of malarkey as far as I I'm Cade Mays can go kick rocks. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree a lot with Coach's analysis of this game. You figure Tennessee's issues against Georgia was all pass rush. Well, Kentucky only has five sacks on the year, so unless they're ball hawking and have six interceptions again, 
really tough to see Kentucky slowing this one down. I guess the Wildcats' best hope is their offense finds a way to put up points because I think Tennessee's will. And the other thing is, who knows, maybe Tennessee will be looking past them. They got the huge game against Alabama in a week. You know, maybe Kentucky just catches them, gets a few interceptions, gets some timely scores, but uh, definitely Tennessee favored for, with good reason, especially down in the trenches. Yeah, for sure. They definitely have the stronger of the lines. A couple group of five games I'm really interested in this week. Uh, the first of these is a battle between undefeateds. Josh, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers get to head to Lafayette, Louisiana to take on the Raging Cajuns, the 21st ranked Raging Cajuns. And I'm not going to lie, Josh, uh, this game is going to be taking place here on Wednesday of this week. And I know what I'm doing Wednesday night. Do you know what you're doing Wednesday night? Well, well, probably celebrating closing on my house. But, oh, uh, but, wait, I'll, I'll, but, but I'll find some time to watch this game. Uh, it, it's crazy. This one got rescheduled. It was supposed to be played earlier, I, I believe, and then got bounced around as stuff happened with COVID. Uh, when I thought it was going to happen originally, I picked the Shanties because on game day, or not on game day, but um, yeah, no, I think it was on game day. When they were talking to the Louisiana head coach, he looked nervous about his team's ranking. We saw that happen. Louisiana had two games against Georgia State and Georgia Southern. Uh, won them very narrowly. Five, five combined points. points. Yeah, yeah, five combined points. Um, I said it a few weeks ago. I'm going to say it again. I think the Shanties get their first ever win against a ranked team. I really like how they've played this year. They obliterated Arkansas State. They obliterated Campbell and they obliterated Kansas. That's pretty impressive to go three for three lopsided multi-touchdown victories. Yeah, I mean, the Campbell Campbells might have been, uh, I think they they might have put up the best game against them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they did. Uh, coach, you know, you, you don't see a lot of ranked teams here from the fun belt here in uh in in the raging cajuns but you know i i think that you know if they've got anything uh you know if they've got anything going for them it's a nice balanced ground attack led by elijah mitchell uh he's he's looked pretty good so far this season but i for them it doesn't feel like it's a one particular star player but more of a team effort yeah, I mean, you know, true balance is being able to find all of your weapons and get the spread the ball around. I mean, Elijah Mitchell is is uh, outstanding uh, on the ground, but I mean, they've just been their play up front has been stellar. Their ability to get the ball where it needs to go has been outstanding. I mean, they've just been playing good, great team football and complementary football, and you know, that's you know, just watching them play is like you want to show every high school team. Hey, you want to play some really good together football? Here you go. Yeah, definitely. Which, they 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 are definitely a. It's definitely a team effort. And you know what? One of the things that I have weirdly enjoyed coming out of this weird COVID season is seeing teams like ULL. Well, I guess they're still not technically they're not ULL. I guess they're just UL at this point or something like that seeing these teams ranked and seeing them get a little bit of shine because, you know, typically a Sunbelt team starts 3-0. It's not going to be, you know, n- no one's still going to be really about talking them. But, you know, we've got undefeated versus undefeated here. You know, it's going to be on a Wednesday night. They're going to have a little bit of a showcase. You know, the only thing they're going to be really going up against is the probably what the the nlcs the alcs maybe and i'm definitely going to be tuned in even though i'm an atlanta braves fan i'll still definitely be tuned into this one and you know it's going to be fun and i think that we could see some really really competitive football here elsewhere in the group of five though we have the four and oh byu cougars who 
Kalani Sataki, Josh, uh, I, I think you could make a pretty good argument that he has done the best coaching job of anyone in the country so far this year. This team Ooh. is is uh, is firing on all cylinders. They head down to Houston, who just beat uh, who just beat Tulane for their first win of the season. And uh, one guy that you've got to be impressed by, though, is Zach Wilson, the quarterback, who is not only completing. Uh, 73, uh, better than 73% of his passes, but has been really, really efficient in doing so. So, uh, Josh, you know, what are you looking forward to in this one? Well, I'm looking forward to seeing another game with Houston. Um, they had a very funky win against Tulane. They, they fell down fairly big in that game, like 24-7, and then ended up winning it in a laugher once they got things going with only one game under their belt. It's kind of wait and see with Houston with BYU. They steamrolled three opponents. And then last week, a little bit of a hiccup. They only won 27, 20 against UT San Antonio. So maybe the running, uh, street, what are they? Uh, the road runners. I don't know why I was, I Maybe. wanted to call them the running road runners for a second, like the, the running, running rebels, the, the running road running runners. Yeah, road that, runners. That, yeah, that was some verbal diarrhea right there. But it's, a, it's uh, like almost like the Mobile Bay Bay Bears. Yeah. But uh, maybe UTSA's improved. I don't know. Maybe BYU just had a sloppy game. But what was interesting is the 27 20 is a little misleading because BYU had a 62 yard drive that ended with a fumble after a completed pass at the 10-yard line. So that was probably a touchdown drive that was going to happen. UTSA then threw an interception. On BYU's second drive, things were looking good. They had a seven-play, 51-yard drive, and then they had a, (laughs) I love this, a uh, a loss of yards on uh, on a run that, Totally got them behind the shades. Uh, a just inept play. It was a, I love this. Uh, Tyler Algier run for loss of three to the Texas San Antonio 47. Tyler Algier fumbled, recovered by BYU. Uh, not how they were drawing it up. Uh, so the drive stalls, they they went for it at a fourth and six, kind of a no man's land, too long for a kick, uh, too short for a punt. So another promising drive that stalled on downs. Uh, a little later in the game, they had a drive that was also starting promising um, that ended in a punt. So they had three drives in the first half that really could have gotten at least seven points, if not 14 uh, extra points to their point total. So you add that, this game's more of a cakewalk, and, and we're not worried at all about BYU. But I'm with you, Matt. I'm really excited for this game. I think both quarterbacks... In there, uh, obviously, with Houston's small sample size, both quarterbacks have looked really crisp so far. I'm definitely excited for this one. Yeah, Coach, we saw Marquez Stevenson you know, come out and show why he is one of the best skill position players in the group of five. Is there anyone else that you are looking forward to, uh, you know, that you're really going to be focusing in on uh, Wednesday night here in Houston? Uh, you know what? I just want to see this Houston team just get out and play, uh, truthfully. I mean, I... I just want to see who else, if there's anybody else that's going to emerge um, within the skill group, you know, on, on either side of the ball. And so with that, you know, as you get more and more uh, into the season, I think you'll kind of start to see that. And and this is a great test for, for the Cougs as far as, as far as going against a, a team like BYU, who's also the, the Cougs. Um, so, mm. Um, I'm yeah. looking forward to it's a, a it's going to be Cougar City down there in Houston. I might want to go Cougar City. You know, Cougars in football. Well, what what better I mean, thing? Ain't nothing like it, baby. Ain't nothing like it. So yeah, I just want to see if this thing's going to be a. Phys- I just want to see you know the physicality of what that BYU brings uh, and how that affects Houston and can Houston really kind of establish themselves as hey we haven't played much football but that's okay. Uh, or if they just kind of fall into the uh, typical Dana Holgerson uh, patterns of, of which they are, uh, you know, they start to become less and less physical and uh, defense becomes a little bit more optional in those scenarios. 
For sure. For sure. All right, guys. Well, it is time for us to get into our spread formations. Last week was uh, a week to forget for all of us. We agreed on every pick, and that was a bad idea. We went one and four as a show. Uh, on the season, Josh, you and I are both 11 and 13. Uh, if you guys bad. have been... If you guys have been fading coaches' picks, you are in the money because coach is seven and seventeen on the year. Um, yeah. We are going to start, and we're, we're, we're going to mix up the order this week. It coaches me self conscious now. Each time I make a pick, he then goes after me, and when he takes my pick, I, I feel uh, very nervous for what I just said. So we are going to start though then with the uh, Marshall versus Louisiana Tech game. Um, and I am actually going to give my picks first here. And so, uh, Marshall is a 14 point favorite on the road at Louisiana tech. Personally, you don't go into Ruston and win by 14. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the home dog here. Give me the bulldogs of Louisiana tech. I love doc holiday. I still think Marshall is going to win. But I still think I think that Skep Holtz team will keep it close. Give me Marshall by a touchdown, so I will take the points with Louisiana Tech. Coach. Ooh. Um, yeah, I think Marshall, uh, typically Marshall's games are, are pretty close. This is a good conference rivalry game. Uh, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Bulldogs in the points as well, Matt. I thought I was I All thought right. I was gonna be the only one. Josh. Oh shit. I was planning to take Louisiana Tech in the points. Because uh, they're a pretty good three and one team. However, late breaking thing that I saw, Marshall this year with that crafty Doc Holiday that we all love. We do love him. Three and O against the spread. But I don't think he, I don't think they've been favored by by, by double digits <laughs> yet this season. Yeah, um, I am going to go with my initial instinct though, which is. Uh, Louisiana Tech's three and one, well coached team by Skip Holtz. Marshall probably wins, but I just don't like them two touchdown favorites on the road. All right. Well, our next game takes place in Blacksburg, Virginia. The Hokies, coming off of their first loss of the season against the North Carolina Tar Heels, will host those pesky, pesky Boston College Eagles. Um, no longer the bane of my existence. Um, and uh, Phil Jerkovich looking good. Looking really good, uh, but Virginia Tech eleven point favorites at home. Virginia Tech eh, coming off of a loss, though. You, I, you got to think they're going to bounce back. Uh, Boston College, you know, obviously they beat Pitt last week in overtime. Really emotional win for the Eagles. I think that uh, Halfley, Jeff Halfley, is really riding the ship there. Virginia Tech still struggling with some COVID stuff. Uh, they only beat Duke by seven points. I still don't really believe in Duke. So uh, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, fly, Eagles, fly. I'm taking BC plus 11. Coach, how about you? I think BC's on the rise. Virginia Tech is not on the rise. Uh, I think they they were impressive in a loss, but they still lost, and they still got some issues going on. Um, Matt, out of that entire – uh, breakdown. I thought you were going to pick Virginia Tech, and I felt good about not picking Virginia Tech. But um, I still feel good about picking Boston College. They're going to get me back on track this week. I like I like Boston College as not only covering, but winning outright. Ooh. Oh my God! <laughs> my my plans are backfired. Now I don't like going after a coach. Uh, Virginia Tech is one of the hardest hit programs in the country. With COVID right now, tough to know who's going to be in there. I was going to pick BC, and I was going to actually talk about them winning outright as well. I really just, Virginia Tech's not a safe pick right now, to say the least. Uh, on top of that, I, you know, I've been kind of on the record about what I think of Fuente as, as a coach. So I'm, I'm going to take BC as well. All right, all right, all right. This is, this is bad. This, this is, is bad, really Josh. Bad. This is a really bad. This is so bad. Uh, guys, I've got news for you. So ne uh, our next game we're going to pick is uh, SMU is seven-point favorites on the road in our favorite city, New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, but, Josh, I've got a little bit of a feeling here for SMU. You know why? Because mm. they have the best uniforms in football? No. It's a trap. 
It's a trap, Josh. It's a trap. They're oh, playing. That? They got Cincinnati next week. Ooh. Top 10 Cincinnati next Ooh. week. Tulane uh, lost at Houston last week. Uh, two and two Tulane. They're 0 and 2 in the conference. I, I got a feeling SMU might be uh, overlooking our boys down there, the Green Wave. Um, and you know what? You know what? I, I, I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know Shane Bouchelle is, is a bad, bad man. It's a trap. <laughs> I'm going with the Green Wave against my better judgment, coach. Matt, Matt, Matt. You should use your better judgment. It doesn't matter. There is no trap for for SMU. They're gonna, they're just gonna win and beat whoever's in front of them. And they're gonna win. It's a seven point spread. I think they win by ten. I'm All taking. Right, I'm taking the Stangs. Stangs, Josh. Here's my worry. SMU lost Reggie Robertson, Robertson for the year. He was their leading receiver. He was incredible until his season-ending injury. Um, he had 474 yards on the young season and five touchdowns. That's a lot to replace. Tulane looked really good at the beginning of the game against Houston. They should have beaten Navy. Still don't know what in the world happened with that. I am taking the green wave. Do- doesn't mean they are going to win necessarily. I just think they keep it close against the ponies. And with the injuries and with the trap element, maybe they even pull off the opposite. But I'm going to take the green wave. All right, all right, all right. Well, let's head over to the American Conference, where two of the teams that have been the titans of the conference recently, both coming off of losses last week, but then a bye this week. We've got the Knights of the Golden Knights of Central Florida taking on the Memphis Tigers in memphis tennessee uh josh ucf three and a half point favorites on the road um personally memphis you know after maybe virginia tech and baylor memphis has been as decimated by COVID as any team in the country dylan gabriel uh still still looks pretty good even though they they did have I, for some reason, Tulsa is just their bugaboo. I like UCF to get back on track here against Memphis. Sorry, Ashley. And I'm going to take the Golden Knights to win by at least a touchdown here. Coach, who do you like? <laughs> I like the fact that you used the word bugaboo. Um, I'm taking the Golden Knights. For them to be three and a half favorites only, that's like that's awfully low for them. They... They're going to bounce back. I think it was there's going to be no defense in this game. I'm telling you right now, there's going to be literally zero defense no, in this game. There's not, and and I think there's going to be even less defense on the Memphis side. And I think UCF is <laughs> going to win big, actually. Yeah, just looking at this team last year, um, the Knights when they lost. Wait, so wait, co- coach, you, coach, you like Memphis or you like UCF? Like UCF? Didn't you not hear me just okay. say I think they're going to win big? Yeah. I thought you said just said Memphis is going to win big for some reason. I must have no, misheard. No, no. UCF, all right, all right. UCF's going to win big. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, mm-hmm. last year they lost to Pittsburgh, blew out Connecticut the next week, lost to Cincinnati, blew out East Carolina the next week, lost to Tulsa, next game. Well, they didn't blow them out, but they had a nice road win at Tulane. So I'm going to take the Knights to cover on the road. All right, and then finally, finally, they're back, Josh. Even though their coach is COVID, it's time for everybody's favorite guess the Kansas line of the week. Would you say they're back on track? I would say they're back on track. <laughs> but, for losing? Well, it's an away game, so they have to head to Morgantown. I don't think there's a track around that stadium. There's just flaming but couches. There is. They're in the land of the flaming couches, and uh, Kansas is underdogs by 22 and a half West Virginia Ooh. favored by a little over three touchdowns at home on this one West Virginia uh in their three games has looked up and down I mean obviously they they, they beat Eastern Kentucky um by a boatload but it took them two overtimes to beat Baylor at home 
They lost to a middling, what I think is a middling Oklahoma State team. Their defense has been much better than their offense so far this season. And 22 and a half as, you know, as, you know, as bad as Kansas is, 22 and a half is a big number here, especially considering that, you know, uh, you know, both coming off of a bye week, I'm really, really torn. Kansas has lost a lot of games in a row, but you know what? I, I, I can't pull the trigger. Uh, give me the couch burners. Um, by 24 coach it's a huge spread and i'm scared to take it but you know what yolo give me the give me the give me the mountaineers josh all right well well here's some perspective for us uh in the series this historic big 12 series west virginia leads it eight to one they're on a six game winning streak and uh you know, let's. What was the the margin of error, victory in in these game? Let's see. Let's see. Ooh, last year was only five points. Two years ago, sixteen. Three years ago, twenty two. Four years ago, twenty seven. Do you guys see a trend here? See that Kansas is kind of sniffing around. Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Ooh, Josh likes the Jayhawks. <laughs> Um, yeah. all right. Well, Josh, I, uh, you know what? I, I, I appreciate your, uh, your bold attempt at, uh, uh, I, I appreciate the bold look on this one for you, sir. It's, it's going to uh, explode in my face. Hey, you know we, what? We all know it. It's, uh, you know what? It, 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 it could be worse. It could be worse. Um, I, I literally just mixed some chemicals, turned on my Bunsen burner and walked away. <laughs> You know, you, you somehow, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, we, we buried the lead, though, in this one, guys. Oh, yeah. We did it again. Ooh. Uh-oh. Um, according to ESPN's FPI, the Razorbacks are favored at home. They have a 57.3% chance of winning. I don't remember the last time. They, 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 FPI had Arkansas as a favorite in an SEC game, even though the spread is uh, Mississippi minus three. Ooh. Woo pig. According to the numbers, according to numbers is, is a favorite. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to throw this in here as a last second, uh, as a last second game, Josh. Um, Mississippi minus three at the Hogs. Who do you like? Mm, mm, mm. I, I apologize to Razorback Nation and my my dear 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 friend Mitch, but when a Love team you, is when a team is going through a slow rebuild, feels a lot of times like one step forward, two steps back. I know Ole Miss is also going through a rebuild, but Ole Miss's offense has just been scary good, and so I, I think the Rebs win this one and they cover coach i'm with josh on that i think uh, you know old miss is very very explosive and uh I, I don't think arkansas is built to keep up with that kind of thing and so i'm going to take the reps yeah arkansas is much more built to play a team like Auburn like they did last week when they deserve to win. Yeah. Um the Kiff for all of his eccentricities they they're they going to put up some points. They're going to put up some points no matter what. I mean, they put up 35, 42 and 48 in their three games and they played, you know, two top 5 teams in that in in that span. So, um I don't know if Arkansas has the hosses to stay with them. I will take Ole Miss minus three here in this one, but you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if, you know, if Pittman is able to lead them boys to, uh, to, you know, to, to the promised land here, uh, you know, take the air out of the ball, but you know, it, it, it's going to be reliant on Felipe Franks to not make, make mistakes. He was pretty good against Auburn. Felipe Franks had one of his best games as a collegiate player against Auburn. 
but they're going to need to do just a little bit more in that one. Uh, Jerry and Ely, the uh, the tailback there at Ole Miss, he has been a stud of studs so far this season. I mean, he's already got, um, you know, on the season, he's already got four touchdowns on the ground, a couple more in the receiving game. So he's been great. So uh, before we sign off today, uh, any final words, Josh? Yeah, I got a couple of uh, of some nuggets for you, gents. Cincinnati. On the road at Tulsa, Tulsa had their big win against Central Florida. And the folks in Vegas say that it is going to be a tight one. Cincinnati's a three-point road favorite. That could be an interesting game. We haven't seen Cincinnati, you know, pressed too much in their top 10 season so far. Um, You know, Army kept things interesting, but really that's about it. Matt? Uh, your Syracuse Orange are home underdogs by two and a half points to an undefeated team. Without looking, care to guess that undefeated team? Uh, that would be Liberty. It would be Liberty. Well done. Yeah, no, I I, I, I did look at that and I, I thought about I, I thought about throwing that in spread <laughs> formations, but I I decided not to, to because I just I can't go through the pain anymore, man. I just I, I can't do it. If they lose, do they fire Dino, knowing that they have Clemson next and pulling the Maryland thing of having their interim coach go against Ohio State so they have a built-in excuse for how things go to be a debacle? I'm just I, I, I'm just not here for anything positive about Freezes whatsoever, so I don't even want to entertain that thought. All right. And the last one, four touchdown underdogs making their season debut. Mm. The UMass Minutemen, they head down to Coach's Neck of the Wood against Georgia Southern. Uh, Georgia Southern, 94% chance winning. They are the four-touchdown favorites. Uh, Do the Minutemen make it interesting? (laughs) Uh, Well, they haven't had any Isabella now for a season and a half. Oh, sorry. He's coming back, though. He got recalled to... Back to he got re- he got recalled from the uh, I think he's playing for the Cardinals these days. Yeah, he got recalled from the Cardinals. Um, you know, I mean, honestly, Chris Berman was a uh, an honorary coach for them a couple years ago. They're need to they're going to need to line him up on the offensive line because I I don't know if they have enough bodies to even play a game. I mean, they might even be in more shape than Vanderbilt is at this point. Um, I I literally do not know how UMass or UConn. I mean, UConn's not playing this season. I don't even know how UMass is. Quite frankly, to be fair, even if UConn was playing games this season, would they actually be playing this season? No, I mean they haven't. I actually played games in a couple of seasons now. Yeah. Um, uh, I lied. I forgot I had one more nugget. I didn't see this tab. On my, Josh, you got on you got computer. all the nugs. Uh, this is the last one. This one's you got hilarious. a party tray of nuggets. So, <laughs> so Temple, very very delayed season. They didn't get their first game until yesterday or uh, until the other day. Uh, they lost at Navy, who quite frankly has been dreadful on the young season. So the 0-1 Temple team has a 73% chance of winning as a 10-point favorite over a team that's played four games, so presumably they are more together. Unfortunately, those four games have gone absolutely horribly, and it's the South Florida Bulls Mm. who are a dirty one and three. Um, (laughs) Who's the one? Who's the one on on that one? Because I genuinely have no clue. I'll give you a hint. They pretend that they're a military institute. The they've Citadel? Ha- yes. <laughs> I was going to say they've had hazing issues. And they are It was in, either going to be the Citadel or VMI. So. And they're in, I believe, Conway, South Carolina. They're in, they're in South Carolina. I'm not exactly sure. That, I'm not exactly sure the city because. I think they're well, Citadel. I, mean, I think Citadel is Charleston, right? Uh, let's uh, find it out. Is, it is in Charleston, South Carolina. Who's in Conway, South Carolina? That would Palo be Deshanti's, right? Is that Coastal? That's Coastal, I believe. Oh, that must be Coastal. There we go. Yeah, that must be uh, Conway, South Carolina, according to <laughs> according to uh, Wikipedia, is the home of Coastal Carolina University and is part of the Myrtle Beach metropolitan area. Mm. Oh. 
Well, there you have it. Coach, you have any final words for us? I do not. Josh all right. All. Josh ate all my Josh nuggets. Did t- and, mm. Sorry uh, about that. It's okay. Uh, you know, Josh gets a little greedy every now and then. Yeah. So, um, Well, on that note, um, it is time for us to sign off here. Uh, so, uh, Coach and Josh, thank you guys for uh, spending a little time tonight. And for all of you out there in, uh, in college football land, stay safe, mask up, and uh, we will see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Furman is in Greenville, South Carolina. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.